Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. back to the Largcast, where we are serving up shots of 200 proof grace the way that it was meant to be received straight with no chaser <laughs> my name is tony and with me um as almost always is uh is russ you're on here more than me if anyone's more prone to taking a break it would be it would be me you're kind of like the constant here Um, constant man you're the constant you're the constable i don't know about that (laughs) i don't even know what that word means i just know it's a word (laughs) yeah i i was like wait is that good bad hold on a second (laughs) i don't know i don't know i don't know what is anything i say do i know anything i'm talking about i don't know why are you here why are you listening to this podcast who am i yeah, if, if either you? one of us, if either one of us is guilty of, of hearing a cool word and passing it on, <laughs> it's probably me without knowing what the word actually means. <laughs> you do a pretty good job, man, of looking things up. I'll give you well, credit for that. What's funny is, is my mayor just taught me that because here's how fights with my wife usually go. Fights with Pam are we'll start fighting about something. And then we start getting into like the minutia of like these words we use. And then we start challenging each other on the definitions of the words. So then it usually ends up with us looking up definitions, the words and like why that wasn't fair to be applied to each of us. And then, so then we start arguing about the argument and the words therein. Dang dude. Yeah. That's like a court of law, man. <laughs> dude. Well, Hey, when you're arguing, right? You're fight you're fighting for your rightness. So yeah, dude, you got to go to bat like a lawyer. It seems to like justify a, like yourself. A, it seems like a like a a natural progression. You know what I mean? Like you have this issue, the first thing you want to do is instead of if, if you can't attack the issue, you attack the individual. Like we see that in politics all the time, right? Like we don't mean where to go with this and so we just constantly talk about the person. You know, which is kind of lame. But here's the thing: like when marriage, like you are, like you're not going anywhere, so you can't just attack the person. Now you got to get into like, well, you said, <laughs> and and now the argument turns from into the words that we use. Oh, dude, all the time. Yeah, yeah. All Chris and I have been married uh, in August. Will be our 25th wedding anniversary, and um, in 25 years, dude, we've never argued like that. Was that a was that a wedding? A wedding? <laughs> a wedding? Wedding anniversary? A wedding? Wedding anniversary? <laughs> what else is it? Oh, I'm sorry. Our wedding. Our wedding. If you are new to the Larkas, um, as you can tell, Russ is uh, he's a good old boy from down south, and I'm just your basic run of the mill Midwest Chicago land. Uh, oh, that's so funny, a, dude. Kind of a dude. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. And if you're new, I am being extremely sarcastic in this moment because I'm that whole bit about us not arguing <laughs> like that 25 years is a joke. It's more like every 25 minutes. Yeah. But, well, they do. They, they say that couples that argue, um, you know, more often um, have healthier relationships, which is true. You know, like true. what I used to do in my pastor days when I used to do premarital counseling, um, you know, I would, I would just kind of talk about like, you know, their parents' marriage growing up. They're like, oh, I never, I never saw. What's up, Eli? Um, for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, Russ's little dude just popped in to, <laughs> I, I think, help him unjam his Nerf gun, which is, which it is was. very, very fitting. <laughs> Very fitting little moment there. Hey, Dad, unjam this gun. <laughs> okay, really clear. Just so we're clear, folks, I don't live out in the sticks. Right? <laughs> I grew up in the Tampa Bay area, but it is south, and I do come from a very southern family. But I'm not podcasting from a, from a mountain in Tennessee right now. Oh, hey, by the way, how's that batch of moonshine going in your in your tub, dude? It's like, <laughs> an like ready podcast or like <laughs> wonder like man, there's this guy Tony and then like like a ZZ top dude named Russ comes on. I think he's from Appalachia. <laughs> Is that Matthew McConaughey's cousin? <laughs> oh what man. the heck? What what was I saying? Oh, couples that that argue. Yeah. Yes. No, when they would be like, you know. Well, my parents never fought in front of me. I was like, oh my gosh, dude, you are so screwed. You're like so screwed in this yeah. whole deal. Cause they fought, dude. They fought. Yeah. They fought. Yep. And that's good. Like fighting is like, hey man, it gets it out, you know, like it puts it out on the table. You don't have a, you know, any repressed yeah. um or suppressed thoughts you or just, you emotions. Have to just learn just how to do out. it with wisdom, man. Right. Yeah, that's the part I'm. That's the part I'm <laughs> still trying to figure out. <laughs> Despite my constant, I thought you were gonna, you were gonna be like that. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 the part that um that I'm trying to help Pam figure out. <laughs> 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 okay. All right, but we got to we got to wisdom, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Yeah, but so I'll I'll go ahead and intro it because you're taking the the bulk of the conversation today. We're in a stretch of podcasts called Yeah, but and um, it is true about the Larkast. We serve up 200 proof grace the way it's meant to be drunk, um, straight no chaser, and we talk a lot about the finished work of Jesus. Um, we talk a lot about a theology of grace, and we talk a lot about the freedom that we have in union with Christ on the Larkast. And because of that, um, there are a number of people, um, maybe in your life or your community or your church, that when your heart starts to explode, as you start to hear this news of freedom, this good news, the goodness of this good news, um, they might not be as excited as you are. And you get a lot of, well, yeah, but, and it's usually a thought or an idea or a passage, most likely a passage. And so we've experienced this enough. And we know a lot of you larks out there have experienced that too. And so we were like, dude, let's just take all these. Yeah. Buts 
and let's just do a string of podcasts on them. So that's what this yeah. is. This series is called Yeah, But, and we're tackling all the classic Yeah, But verses that usually people throw yeah. at you when you start talking about being free. Yeah. Humans have a very long history of not knowing what to do with freedom mm -hmm. from the beginning to today. And as much as we talk about it, we secretly actually are far more interested in control than we are actual freedom. And I think that's why, you know, we've, I've talked about this before, but like, again, the religious nature in us, the, you know, is always drawn to the religious noise around us. And it just makes this constant back and forth journey, man, in life, whether it's coming from within or from somebody outside, or you're the person who's that voice for the people outside, who's always bringing the yeah, buts, because let's just face it, man, our, our, our nature, man, is seems to be at odds with our creator. Russ, I never thought about that. Do you think yeah. that we have the yeah butts on here? Do you think our, our haters are tuning in? Do we have our haters listening to us right now? Dude, if you're a hater, welcome. Welcome well, to the Largas. We got nothing but love for you. Yeah. Now get out. <laughs> so haters, here haters we go. are just fans, dude. Oh man. Here's here's the irony of this journey. I was it, in my days of pastoring and planting churches, man, I was um I was really really good at bringing the yeah buts to people who were grabbing onto the actual freedom of Jesus, which is sad, but it's true. And I think I can really speak from experience and one longing for the freedom and finding it and then being at war within myself with it. Mm. Right. Yeah. Or being at war with the people who were bringing good news to me. But then, like I said, really good at, at taking things out of context, taking misunderstandings of what's actually in the scripture, bringing my diluted versus the undiluted news of Jesus to the table. Mm. Cause yeah, I mean, we don't, the, the envy, man, that, that kicks up in us too when we're around people who are really free. It's it's annoying unless you're free. Yes. So I, I think that's the reason for this. And one of the classic ones that we've heard over the years is uh, actually in the book of Revelation, man, which is not a, you know, which let's just be honest, that's a difficult book. And it's yes. probably one book, in, in my opinion, in all of scripture that maybe more than any of the others that people really do grab on to like five or six, like classic core verses within it. And they just go to in just bringing up issues like, no, 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 no. It says this. And, you know, we need to be doing this. And I mean, if I had a dollar dude for every time I've had somebody in the last two years say, Russ, I really hear what you're saying, but have you read Francis Chan's book, the letters to the church? <laughs> I'd be a very rich man. Yeah. Um, and one of those key ones in there is when Jesus addresses God bless that long-fingered Asian man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not saying anything anti-him, just to be clear. Um, seemed like a good dude. Um, but I would say understandings of what's actually in this letter. If you're not careful, you you wind up undoing all that Jesus has done and declared throughout all of the gospels you undo everything he lived and taught 
when he walked the earth mm-hmm. and, and come in with like a few lines, you know what I'm saying? That he, that he, that he shared with John, you know what I'm saying? Like in this book we call revelation. Anyways, one of the main ones that you hear the most about is like the church of Laodicea. It was an actual church, right? That Jesus is addressing and John writes it down and brings it to him. And he talks about this idea of like being lukewarm. And for some reason, I feel like that letter to the Laodiceans, that verse is the one that really sits in a lot of people's pockets and it gets thrown at you when you start talking about Galatians for freedom, Christ set you free for the will of God. When you talked about in the last episode, it's to believe in the son. It's like, no, 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 no. There's gotta, there's gotta be more to the equation here, man. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll just go ahead and read, you know, what he's got to say here. So right here in verse 15, chapter three, it says, I know your works, Jesus says, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, you know, like the exclamation point. So because you are lukewarm and neither, okay, hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. I have, I have prospered and I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich, white garments so that you may clothe yourself and and, and, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to annoy your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove, okay, in discipline. So be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. This is like, this is that other verse that's in Revelation. You know what I mean? It gets sort of hung on all the Thomas Kincaid paintings. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and eat with him and he with me. And so you have like this little section of scripture, man. And you've got this kind of like, whoa, crap, dude. Like Jesus is like being for real here. Like you are lukewarm and that is a problem. Yeah. I wish you were cold or hot, but because you're neither, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You don't belong. You think you're rich. You think you got it together, but you don't realize you're poor. You're blind. You're naked. Listen, I'm standing at the door knock. I'm coming in you because I love you. That's what he says. Be zealous and repent. Open the door, right? I, I, I created you to live in table fellowship with me. And like this yeah. is this is life. Don't miss this by being ready for this, lukewarm. And it's like, oh man. And if you've grown up anywhere, especially like in the Bible belt, man. Um that's or like the West Bible Belt is what I call it, like Southern California. There's a definite Bible Belt culture out there as well. Yes, this is a verse, man, that you definitely probably heard a lot, and it seems to be like that place where the sweet Jesus of orphans and lambs pulls back the curtain and shows us this God that we've all like secretly feared. And I feel like this fear of not being lukewarm it has led to, dude. It, it's just. Let's just be honest, man. Like it's it's led to to leagues of burnout in the church and droves of people saying goodbye to the faith altogether. Because hmm. they're just hit with like, you're just not doing enough, man. You're just not doing enough. And if you are, well, your heart's just not really on fire for the Lord. And it's uh it's damning. Yeah. And what's funny is it all stems from a, just a complete lack of understanding of what this verse is actually is saying we'll get into it man let's go so traditional view like this this is kind of i mean let's just be honest like it, it does get kind of cool at times when you can really dive into like a true understanding of something that's going on like within its context and so in the case of like 
of this passage. You've got a traditional view that, you know, that the Laodiceans were being criticized for their lack of zeal. All right. Again, I've just, you know, I was just talking about this. And so you've got this Jesus that's really calling us to, to step up, like be one or the other for crying out loud. But what we don't understand is that Laodicea was a, it was an actual place. So there's an actual church as in like a movement of people who believe in Jesus that live there. And in this city, you have two, two sources of water. You have a hot spring and a cold spring. Mm-hmm. And both of them, both of them were good. Both of them were of value. Mm-hmm. And, but not knowing this, we read this passage and we think, well, hot means like really fired up for Jesus. You've got it together. You're up every morning and you're reading your Bible and doing your quiet times and you serve at the local church and you're there every Sunday unless you're on vacation. And of course, if you are on vacation, you probably are going to a gathering somewhere because I mean, for, after all, like, don't forsake the gathering of the saints, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's another, yeah, but we could probably get into <laughs> But you can kind of keep going down this list. And again, we're just sort of not understanding, like, no, this is not hot as fired up for Jesus and cold as like, you just don't believe. And he's saying, I wish you were either. Because mm-hmm. you're just, like this lukewarm, not really like doing much for the glory of God's state that you're in. I just don't know. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm just going to spit you out. It's just not true. Mm-hmm. Hot, hot and cold water in Laodicea were both valued. Yeah. They're both good. So it's like, oh, well then if that's the case, first of all, that totally changes what's constantly being thrown at me in the name of this verse. But then what do we do with like this lukewarm water? Well, Listen, lukewarm water is, it's not useful, right? It's a medic. Like, as the famous Bear Grylls has shown us, don't drink stagnant water. <laughs> you know, like, like those retention ponds that I used to fish as a kid in Florida, like the fishing is great, but you don't want to eat anything that's coming out of there. And you especially don't want to drink the water because these lukewarm stagnant waters, right? They, they grow bacteria and they're, it's going to kill you. So Jesus isn't saying in this passage. See, there's that, that good old boy, dude. That's coming in handy there. What do you mean? Down Come on, saying, dude, you know, you used dude. to fit, you know, you used to fish retention ponds, man, when you were a kid. Dude, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I well, did not. Well, we, I mean, we did. I mean, I still do. <laughs> Cause again, there's, there's, there's great fishing. Um, and, and it's a lot of fun, especially when you're a kid, but, the point is here, this type of water, lukewarm water, like even in Laodicea, they had pools like that there, and they would breed bacteria. And if you drink this, this leads to dehydration and death. In short, there's no life in stagnant water. There's only death. So we spit it out. If we were to drink it, we would spit it out like Jesus says, right, in verse 16. But check this out. We spit it out not because it's not desired, right? We spit it out, not because it's not desired, but because it's dead. Hmm. It's lifeless. There's, there's, no, there's no life in it. And I think that's kind of what he's helping them see is they, like we were talking about dude, in our last, you know, in our last episode, these are people who had a list. Mm-hmm. You say that you're rich. You say that you can see. You say that I have prospered and look at all that I've become. Okay, he's talking to believers, right? This is who you say you are. You have a list mm-hmm. that you're bringing to the table. 
And what you don't realize is that your entire list falls flat. Mm -hmm. One, just in regards to righteousness, but two, and most importantly, because of the whole desire for why you've been building a list. If you knew who I was and you had found rest in that relationship that you already have because of what I've brought about, you would therefore be free of the list building. Hmm. But instead, you are dead in your list building. You are lifeless. Mm -hmm. It's not that I don't desire you, right? Again, it's not that the water is not desired. It's just that it's dead. Hmm. So I, 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 it's, it's there's nothing to do with it here. Yeah. By your own choosing. Yeah, this is good, even though, like, um, not even though, even when you take in the whole context of the letters to, yeah. you know, the churches, the whole idea of Jesus contending, you know, with us, um, as even Hebrews 12 tells us, like, don't disregard the discipline of the Lord. He's treating yeah. you as a son. Any loving dad, um, any loving parent, um, who truly cares for his kids um, is going to have some hard conversations with him, And he does so by the spirit. Um, mm -hmm. And I think those who are really busy building lists, those who are really building busy, building um, religious resumes can get pretty defensive. And I know that. And I see that in my own life as well. When I get really, really defensive, um, I have a lot at stake in being right. I have a lot at stake in being right. And mm -hmm. I think it's only the sober, the sober um, thoughtfulness of um, man, my righteousness is found in someone else, not yeah. necessarily being actually right and righteous. It opens me up to hear those things a little bit more. And so even if you want to take it a step farther, because I love how you broke that down, just that passage there, because, yeah, whenever you hear lukewarm, you immediately think, shoot, I got to get hot. I got to get yeah. on fire for the Lord. Yeah. Like back back when I went to, you know, church camp and I would come back and I'm like, yeah, let's do this, you know, or even some of like the Instagram videos you see of, you know, how college age ministries are kind of like positioning themselves um on social media it's very much this like you know we're on fire for the lord and you know it's like oh. this tight-knit you know thing where they're just like you know constantly in a perpetual state of like singing worship songs and leading people to jesus and like sharing the gospel everywhere they go and i'm like bro this is not real life um no but um you know the the discipline of the lord um, unless you're free, man, you know, it's mm -hmm. going to, you can receive it in one of two ways. One, it could be, you could be completely like resistant to it because it's, it's, it's challenging your religious resume and your pride, or it's that like, um, um, I'm going to get this word wrong, but it's like that self-flagellation where you're like, you, you love conviction. Yeah. Bring it, dude. Whip my back with like these lashes, like bring this conviction. Oh yeah. 
oh, no pain, no spiritual gain, you know, yes, right. Lord, beat me down, you know, so that I can, I can be better, bring me through the fire, dude, I used to, um, dude, you know, coming out of reform, you know, circles and, and I think talking about suffering in a way that needs to be addressed and, and talked about, but it was almost like we glamorized suffering. It was just like, yes, oh, bring the suffering, mm -hmm. bring the trials, because in the end, I'm going to go through this, this trial. And it would be just like this horrible thing. Like the, no, no one in any right mind would wish for this thing. And they're like, in the end, I'm going to be more Christ-like. And that's like, you know, even if it's like the death of a child, I'll still value this Christ-likeness. Like, bro, like what? Like you're praying for trials? Like, bro, what is wrong with you? Yeah. But we've been taught to do this because yes. whether it's this passage, man, or the one we talked about again in the last episode, like, man, you've got to, you know, prove to be his disciple, right? Mm -hmm. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord to me, you know what I mean? You know, is a real disciple here because you could be a lukewarm Christian. I'm like tying last week together with this week. And you, you, you've got to really get serious about this, man. Make up your mind, bro. Like you, you, like you can't. You know, you can't, you can't ride two horses with one ass. Sorry. I was trying to stick with that whole Southern theme there for just a minute. <laughs> See, there it is. <laughs> so you, you're like, there you gotta, is. you gotta be one or the other, but here's what I was just want to say, like, just in pulling this together, if you go and look at the text, okay. If you go and look at the text, you're going to see number one, Jesus is really going to reveal what the real problem is. And it's not that that they're not all fired up with all these disciplines in their life and they need to go through a bunch of trials so they can become something they're not. And then he goes on and gives an actual like, here's what you could step into. And it's the opposite of getting it together. It's so, I mean, again, you look back at this and you're like, how did we miss this? How do we keep going to these passages and our, yeah, but, you know, like this, old man, you know what I mean? That rises up in us with this love for control has to grab onto something to pull it back into the equation of, of this life of faith. And we just undo these things in the name of being faithful. Think about that. Mm -hmm. In the name of being faithful, we become unfaithful mm -hmm. to what he actually says. So if you go back to this passage, Jesus plainly tells him like, look, you're broke. You, know, you, you need to buy gold for me. For I alone give you value. I clothe you. I make you see. That's in verse 18. See. I love that. Verse 19. Those whom I love, he says, I rebuke. What? Wait, 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 what? Oh. The, so these like lukewarm people that we're all so afraid of, like, we're thinking they're like over here and they need to get it together. And he's like, no, no, no. Those whom I love. That's why I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you about your state because I love you. Mm -hmm. not because i'm distant from you it's like oh so number one their issue is they can't see and number two he makes it clear that i love you and then number three here's the recourse um be zealous and repent what you know what the word repent means right metanoia it means to change your mind mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you get it together it doesn't mean pull up your bootstraps it doesn't mean go become something that you're not and that God's expecting. It means to change your mind about what God's actually like. 
so you can see who he is, mm -hmm. the one who loves you. Dude, yeah. I'm literally just using the words that are right there in the text. And it's like, whoa. So that's what he's getting at, man. Like the whole act, everything that's going on here is centered on a love for a community of blind people who need to change their mind about God so they can enjoy the fellowship that they were made for and already set free for. Mm -hmm. Like their greatest need is to see. It's to see. It's it, the, the same problem that was facing the Laodiceans and humanity at large. They're both, they're, they're both the same. It's not our disobedience or brokenness or wretchedness, as some would say. No, the real problem, the much deeper rooted real problem is much more devastating than that. And the problem is that we believe the wrong things about God. And as such, we alienate ourselves from the very essence of life itself that's already been given. And so there's a maker who's standing in front of us, inviting us into the table fellowship that he's already made possible and saying, open the door, not get it together, not become something better, not fix your neighbor, improve your worthiness or whatever it is. You know what I'm saying? You want to throw in the list here. No, just open the door by faith. See what I'm like. So you can enjoy the table fellowship that I've already set before you. This is life. This is the journey. This is spirituality. Hmm. And it's like, oh my God, dude. Like, where was where was that at? Yeah. Where it's, was that um, at? It, again, dude, it's like these conversations always end up with us at the center of them. We're the focus. Yeah. Right. And and that's what I've what that's what I found. Those who are opponents to a theology of grace usually have us dead center of the story. With like, yeah. you know, with the force, with like a radical introspection on like our progress and where we're at. But the scriptures seem to be pointing away from us onto him. And so if you look at Revelation 3, the whole, well, really even the whole book of Revelation is the yes. revealing of the son, you know, <laughs> he's the, he's the hero of the story and it's drawing your eyes away from yourself onto him. And so people who use this passage constantly want to move your eyes to you and what you're doing. But when Jesus actually does come around to a bit of an evaluation of them, it's not like we're not talking about us, but our eyes need to move away from us and onto him. Him. That that is life. Him. And so when that next Jesus. time someone Just comes Jesus, to you, dude. Yes, Jesus. Next time someone comes to you with this verse, or if it rises up in you about this verse in some sort of like fear-driven, right? manipulation of of like yeah man you need to get it together go do these things and become this person you don't want to be spit out in the end just go back to what it's saying here i love you i love you is what jesus is saying change your mind if there's a problem here then i'm going to invite you to change your mind to come and see what i am like so that you can live at this table Right. Not so that you can get to it. Right. Just to be clear, but so that you can begin to enjoy your living at this very place you're already at.
everything will flow from there. The invitation is an invitation to faith. To, it's an invitation to faith, to trust Jesus. Mm-hmm. Whether you're opening the door to him for the first time, right? Or if you're, if, if you're just living in the, re- the realization that, that this door is open, that this is life. This is the journey. Mm. It's, and from there, man, like, again, seeing him and hearing from him. Amen. But it's not uh, getting it together for him. That's the Mm -hmm. point. So to that, I say, cheers. Cheers.